The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Bible, open up to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. We're concluding a series today called What's Wrong with This Picture? And we've been talking about uh, the stuff in our life sometimes that can kind of throw us off from displaying the image of God in this world. God created you to be an image bearer. He created you to look like Him, to act like Him, to be like him in this world so that people can look at your life and they see Jesus through you, Christ in you is the hope of glory. And so God's called you to that, but there are things that can take place in our life that can keep us from that. And so we've been kind of unpacking some of that. And today I want to talk to you about this idea, this, this issue that can sometimes keep us from walking in the purpose of our life and fulfilling the image of God being walked out in the purpose of our life. So, so here's, the, here's the idea this morning. What's wrong with this picture? Maybe today what's wrong with this picture is you're out of alignment. You're out of alignment. Your purpose is out of alignment. You're not walking in alignment with the purpose that God has called you to. You're out of alignment. If you're taking notes, jot this down this morning. Your alignment affects your assignment. I'll say it again. Your alignment affects your assignment. What you align yourself to is going to affect the assignments that your life is called to do. I, I discovered this truth uh, when I was about 17 years old. I was getting on the highway one day driving to school. I was in my little Acura Integra. Any Acura Integra people back in the early 1991 Acura Integra? It's a little tiny car. Nobody. Okay, I'm old. <laughs> But anyways, I'm driving my little car, and I get it up to speed on the highway, and it starts to shake, like the steering wheel is just shaking. And the engine light didn't come on. It wasn't like violently shaking, but there was something going on, and I knew there was something wrong. So, so that day, when my dad got home from work, I, I sat him down, and I was like, Dad, something's going on with my car. And uh, it's shaking when I drive down the road. And he was like, well, it sounds like it's out of alignment. Let's go get in it and see what's going on. And so we go out and... He started driving my car around, and I'll never forget the look on my dad's face. My dad's always had this way of looking at me, and with his eyes, it's like you can see what he's saying to you, and he's saying, like, what's wrong with you, child? And he looked at me with that, what's wrong with you, child, look. And he was like, Josh, have you not noticed how your car is pulling to the left so hard? Like, this is not how it's supposed to drive. I, have you, like this shaking, how long has this been going on? Did something happen? And that was the question I did not want him to ask. <laughs> because something had happened. A couple of weeks earlier, I was in the Mazio's parking lot, and I kind of got jammed up in the parking lot. And in order to get out of the spot, I decided to go over the little concrete in an Acura Integra. And so, so I drove over it forcefully, and, and ever since then, the car wasn't driving so good. So I was trying to explain this to him, and you know what you do, like if you're a kid, like you, you become like a 1950s version of yourself. Gee, Pop, I don't know. <laughs> you think maybe, I don't know, Pop, maybe it was, and I never call him Pop, that's just, maybe it was driving over that piece of concrete in... 
the Mazio's parking lot. And again, I get that look of total, like, what have I, what's wrong with you, child? Yes, of course I think that's what's what, maybe it's because you, <sighs> okay, so he takes me to the mechanic, and we go into the mechanic, and they, uh, they fix it. They bring alignment to my car, and it was amazing. Now, there's no more shake. It drives smooth down the road. It was awesome. The shake's gone. Uh, now it's not pulling me in the wrong direction anymore as I drive down the road. Now as I'm driving down the road, I can take my hands off the steering wheel. I can mess with my little discman and get my little CD going just like those of you early 90s people. You know what I'm talking about. Got that 15-second skip protection. It's awesome. Rolling around listening to CDs. It was a game changer. I could do that now, and my car would just keep going straight down the road. It was awesome. But I discovered something that day. Alignment is a big deal. And if my alignment's off, see, the assignment of my car to drive was affected by the misalignment. And this isn't just true for motor vehicles. This is also true for, like, our physical body. Uh, a few months ago, right before our tribe retreat here at the church, I was having some back issues, and my back was really bothering me. In fact, it got so bad that the first day of the tribe retreat, I was supposed to preach the next two nights. My back was hurting so bad, I wasn't sure I was going to be able to, I was going to, be able to do it. And so um, I'd kind of talked to some of our staff, and we were kind of making plans for just in case you can't do this. And uh, a guy in our church heard about this. His name is Joran Whitley, and he is a chiropractor. And so he, uh, he texted me. He said, hey, I heard about what's going on with your back. Can I come up and give you an adjustment? And so about an hour before tribe retreat, he came back here in my green room. He set out a table, and he adjusted me. And he cracked my back and my neck and my wrists and my legs. Like, he cracked all sorts of stuff. And if you know Joran, like, he works on animals, too. Like, he was just working me over. But it was amazing. When it was all over, I got off that table, and I felt like a completely different person. Like, I was way better. I wasn't completely better, but I was way better. It was a night and day difference. And he said, hey, come in and, and next week and, and let me do some x-rays and check it out. And so he brought me in and I did x-rays and he showed me on my spine in these x-rays where there was misalignment and there were things that were off. And what was interesting is he was able to kind of speak to other issues that were going on in my body, other problems, other pains that I would suffer based on misalignments in my spine. And I discovered something. My alignment affects my assignment. I was, I was almost not able to preach you know, I'm called to be a pastor. I'm called to preach. I wasn't able to do, I was almost not able to do that because of a misalignment. And so, so here's what can happen, church. If we're not careful, we'll have these misalignments. And sometimes the, big, the, the problem is we try to address the issue rather than address where the issue's really coming from. Yeah. See, like when my car was, the steering wheel was shaking, the issue was not a steering wheel problem. The issue was an alignment problem. I had, a, I had a really bad pain in my leg when my back was bothering me, but the problem wasn't with my leg, it was with my sciatic nerve in my back. And so when you adjust where the problem really was, it brought, it brought healing and, and help to the real issue. And so some of you, there's misalignments in your life, there's big problems because you're not aligned in your purpose, and so here's what happens, now there's a, there's a pull in the wrong direction. There, there's a shaking, there's a, there's a lack of smoothness in your assignment, there, there's a pain over here. There's a discomfort over here. You're, you're struggling to be the parent God's called you to be. You're struggling to, to, to be the, the husband or the wife God's called you to be. You're struggling in the workplace. And the issue is not the issue. The issue is a misalignment issue. And so we need to make 
adjustments, get some things cracked and popped and back in place. Because if we get our assignment, our alignment right, then our assignment will be right. Things won't feel so off. You with me this morning? Proverbs 3 says it like this. Look at this. Proverbs 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Everybody say, all my heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In other words, you don't get it all the time. Your own understanding is limited. Your own understanding doesn't always know exactly what to do. Don't just lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord. It says in all your ways. How many of your ways? All. How many of your ways, church? All. All your ways. Submit to Him. In other words, do things His way. And look at this. He will make your paths straight. He will bring alignment to you, which brings alignment to the assignment of your life. Things won't be off. Your path will be straight. You'll be going the direction he's called you to. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Notice it's back to that idea. You don't get it all. You don't always understand. Don't just think based on how the world processes things. Don't just think on based on your upbringing and maybe what you were taught as a kid. Maybe some of that stuff is off. Is it possible that maybe you've learned some stuff that's not always right all the time? Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Now, here's what that means. Fear the Lord. It doesn't mean like you're to be in terror of the Lord. It, it really is speaking to a reverence that you have for who God is. That God, listen, is God. And that He is all-powerful and all-knowing. And you reverence that. Like you recognize who He is and who He wants to be in your life. And look at this. And shun evil. So God, I want you to know God wants to help you with alignment. He wants to help bring your life into alignment so you can fulfill the assignment he's called you to. So we're going to do some adjusting today. We've got a real practical message for you today. We're going to get real, all right? So get ready to take some notes. Get ready to say lots of amens. Get ready to let stuff hit you because God's going to speak to you today to help bring alignment to your purpose. Can I get an amen? amen. So one of the biggest areas where we can struggle with this issue of alignment is in our purpose. And one of the big lies that people can believe related to their purpose is I don't really have one. See, a lot of people struggle in their purpose and they live purposeless lives because they don't really believe that they have a life to live that's worth anything, that there's a purpose to why they're here and what they're called to do. But I want you to know this morning, God created you on purpose and for a purpose. I'm going to say that again. God created you on purpose. You're not a mistake. And He created you on purpose with a purpose. You were created to fulfill a purpose. That's how God is. God's a purposeful God. Yeah. Everything God creates has a purpose. You look at the world around us. You look at trees and, and plants and animals and even insects. You know, as much as I might hate some of these insects sometimes. I spent a few hours yesterday dealing with insects at our house because I got three girls at my house and they don't like bugs. And so I got to do stuff to prevent bugs from getting into my home. And so insects are not good. We don't always like them, but yet they're purposeful. If you start to study and understand how all this stuff works, all this stuff works together for the good. And God's called a lot of this stuff to work together and function together. So if God has a purpose for trees and plants and animals and bugs, don't you think you created in His image and in His likeness, He has a purpose for your life? Of course He does. God has a purpose for you. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. A lot of us know this verse because we love where it goes from here. It starts talking about these good plans and how God wants to bless you. And that's all good, but let's just stop at the beginning. I know the plans I have for you. God has a plan for you. Yeah. He has a purpose for you. 
You're not here by mistake. You're not an accident. I don't care how your life got started. God knew you were coming. He knew you'd be on the scene. And He has a purpose for your life. Jeremiah 1 verse 5 says this. God's talking. I knew you before I formed you. God formed you in your mother's womb and knit you together. Before you were born, look at this, I set you apart. He sets you apart. He has a specific part for you to play. And check this out, appointed you as my prophet to the nations. God sets you apart and appointed you. God has a purpose, a plan, a meaning to your existence. And so guess what? He made you uniquely you. You are uniquely you. There is nobody like you in this world, and there's never been anyone quite like you. You are uniquely you. Why? Because God uniquely fashioned you and created you because he has a unique purpose that he wants you to uniquely fulfill. And so you got to come to terms with that. You got to come into alignment with that truth because it'll set you free. And if you don't come into alignment with that truth, things will always feel off. And you'll fall very short of the purpose that God has for your life. Now, related to your purpose, there's a couple of different purposes that we have. There is a big overarching overall purpose that all of us as human beings created in the likeness and image of God have to fulfill, but there's also a specific expression of purpose that each one of us has. So the pers- the specific expression would be uh, your job. It would be uh, how many kids you have. It would be like your specific life and how it's carried out. And on that end, I can't tell you all the answers to what that is, okay? If you came today looking for career advice, go to the Holy Spirit, all right? He can help you with that way better than I can. You seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. God will lead you. If you're seeking him, he'll lead you to the right career path if you trust him with it. So we're not going to get into that today, but I can tell you what the overall purpose is for your life. And I can tell you this truth. If you're not working the overall purpose into the specific individual purpose of your life, things will always be off because there's a misalignment because your specific purpose is not void of the purpose of God for your life. I'm going to say that again. The specific individual purpose God has given you for your life is not something that is absent of God's overall big picture purpose being displayed through. In fact, it's one of the great ways you display the big picture purpose of your life is through your individual specific purpose purpose. So that leads us to the question, what is the big picture purpose of our life? Here it is. You ready? We are here to glorify God. That is why you were created. You were created to bring glory to God, to to point people to Jesus, to point people to, to God, to point people to the God who is a father, who, is, who loves them and wants to help them and wants to be with them, and wants to save them, and wants to pull them out of darkness, and out of destruction, and out of sin. Isaiah 43 verse 7 says this, God's talking here, he says, bring to me all the people who are mine. So God wants his people. Who are his people? Whom I made. (laughs) So that's everybody. God wants them all, just so you know. Like God's not happy with a 99%, you know, like that's not enough. He wants a hundred. He wants them all. For my glory, he says. Look at that. Whom I made for my glory. He made them all 
for his glory, whom I formed and made. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do. Everybody say, whatever I do. Whatever I do. do it all. Everybody say, all, all. For the glory of God. So the big picture purpose of your life for your life is you are called to bring glory to God and you're to do it in everything you do. In everything you do. So that means uh, as a parent... The way you parent your children should bring glory to God. People should be able to look at the way you interact with your kids, the way you raise your children, and they should, they should say that, that, that's a picture of Jesus and who he is and how God is. Now listen, none of us are perfect in this, so don't feel bad. How you, how you relate to other human beings, other people, in relationship, in your marriage, <laughs> in your friendships, Boyfriends and girlfriends, yeah. you're, you're, how you relate should glorify God. So, so how you doing with that? You know, when you're upstairs, boyfriend, girlfriend, and watching a movie, and mom and dad are downstairs, you got the blanket over you, you glorifying God? Okay, okay, okay. You guys with me this morning? How you, how you conduct yourself in business, in the workplace, the integrity by which you function in the marketplace. Can people look at the way you do business and say, that guy loves Jesus. That's God, that's God glorifying. In everything you do, in all. And how you eat. <laughs> How you exercise. Some of you are looking at me funny right now. It says in everything in all, right? Check this out. In your pain. In your hurt. Are you still striving for the purpose of glorifying God even when you don't understand stuff sometimes? Even when you're, you're, you're afraid or you're hurting or you're broken, are you still striving to glorify God, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That's what, that's what we're called to do. So, so there, there is an issue that I think we can run into related to this. And I think it's kind of this idea of, you know, what it means to be an American sometimes is many people fall into this misalignment that life really, when you look at life, life is really about success. That's what life is about. That's what a lot of people believe. But I want you to know that that's, that's out of alignment. That's a misalignment. And, and some of you, like as Americans right now, you're going, wait a minute, I want to be successful. I'm not saying you can't be successful. I'm saying the goal of your life is not to be successful. Because when you make success the goal and the aim of your life and the purpose of your life is to be successful. Listen, there's a lot of not God glorifying stuff that goes on in people who are trying to be successful. A lot of integrity gets sacrificed on the altar of I want to be successful. A lot of corners get cut on the altar of people saying I want to be successful. A lot of people cheat and get cheated because people make the goal of their life, the aim of their life to be successful. We got high school students today that are addicted to stuff like Adderall, which is basically a, a toned down version of meth. 
And they take this. Why? Because they want to be successful. Because they want to pass an SAT and they want to get a better grade. And so they start abusing this drug because they got to be successful. They got to get into college. They got to get into the right college. Success. We got people in the sports world who are abusing steroids to get ahead because they want to be successful. They want to be, get a college scholarship. They want to be a pro athlete. So whatever it takes to be successful. We got people that are, that are visiting uh, hookup dating sites and viewing pornography. Why? Because they want the success of that next sexual release. People enter into this thing we call the rat race. I want you to know, not a lot is very God-glorifying about the rat race. God's called us to something better than this, church. Something way better than this. So we can't buy into this, this alignment that it's all about success. You know what it's really about? Here's what it's about. It's about faithfulness. Life is not about successful. It's about being faithful. Because here's the thing. Six, faithfulness is successfulness. If you're faithful, you'll be successful. In fact, look at this definition for faithful. Faithful means dependable, loyal, trustworthy, steadfast, unswerving. I don't know. I'd like people to say that about me. One who shows unchanging affection and support even in the face of difficulty. So based on this definition, it becomes very clear like faithfulness is greater than successfulness. And I think you would all agree. In fact, to think about it, at the end of your life, at your funeral, what would you rather people be saying about you? That you were successful or that you were faithful? Because yeah. somebody could get up and they could say, well, you know, my, you know, my dad, he was, uh, he was really good at business. He wasn't always there for us. Um, in fact, him and my mom, they, they ended up getting a divorce because he, he cheated on her. Um, and, and he wasn't always really there for me like I wish he would have been. But man, man, he was sure successful in business. That's not what we're after. Hey, hey, ladies, how about this? Women, wives, hu- uh, not husbands, but wives, fiancés. What you're looking for in your man, let me ask you this. Would you rather have a successful man or a faithful man? Yeah. What's more important to you? That he's successful for you or that he's faithful to you? Yeah. What do you want in your God? I hear this all the time. People talking about God. And they say, God is faithful we find we find peace in knowing that we serve a faithful god i've never heard anyone come up to me before and they're like hey man i'm going through this really tough season right now but my heart has just been at peace because i know that i serve a successful god (laughs) no we serve a faithful god faithfulness is greater than successfulness so listen faithful is successful in the eyes of God, and ultimately, when your life is being judged for how you did in this world, what God's going to look at is your faithfulness. In Matthew 25, Jesus gives this parable about these three servants, and he talks about there's two of them that they were given something by the master, and they did something with it, and one of them didn't. And the two who did well by what their master gave them, what does he say to them? He says in Matthew 25, 21, well done, my good and faithful servant. Now, let me ask you something. Were they successful? Yes, they were successful. But Jesus doesn't say, well done, good and successful servant. The the, the success is judged by the faithfulness. Am I helping you this morning? 
So at the end of your life, what God is going to stand there and look at is not what kind of business did you grow? How much money did you make? Were you faithful? Were you faithful? Did you glorify Him in your marriage, with your kids, with your schooling, with your life? Were you faithful to the purpose that He's called you to fulfill? So to help us with this, to help us to get our life into alignment with this idea of glorifying God, Jesus gives us this awesome parable in Matthew chapter 5 where he talks about these, these things we can kind of strive for, these things that we can look at and we can say, okay, if I can bring my life into alignment with what these things are all about, it's going to help me fulfill my assignment of glorifying God and, and, there, and, and I won't be pulled in the wrong direction. There won't be a shaking like things. It doesn't mean my life will be perfect, but it's going to help with the smoothness of my life. It's going to help me fulfill this call God has for me. So Matthew 5, Jesus gives us an analogy. Look at this. It starts off by saying, let me tell you why you're here. So we're talking about purpose, right? Jesus is saying, this is your purpose. This is why you're here. He says, you're here to be salt seasoning. Everybody say salty. Salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? Notice what's riding on this. You being salty is a big deal. You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. It's a big deal being salty. Verse 14, here's another way to put it. You're here to be light bringing out the God colors in this world. So Jesus tells us these two ideas here. We're here to be the salt of the earth. We're here to be the light of the world. We're here to be salt and light. If you are a Christ follower, if you made Jesus the Lord of your life, these two sentences here, you being salt and you being light, apply directly to you, and they unlock your purpose being in alignment with God's purpose. So if we purpose to be salt and light, we're going to glorify God and be who it is He's called us to be. Now, here's the thing about salt and light. You've got to understand, first off, salt and light are agents of change. They bring change. Salt makes things better. Light makes things brighter. So they, they affect the environment they find themselves in and change things. And that's what God's called you to do. We're here in this world to affect this world for the change of Jesus Christ, to bring out the God flavors and the God colors in this world and glorify God with our life. So let's talk about what this looks like, all right? So first of all, salt, here's the thing about salt. Salt adds flavor. A lot of stuff that salt does, but in this particular verse, what, what Jesus speaks to here is, is what salt bringing out the flavor, that it, it brings out the God flavors. Now, you don't have to be a culinary genius to understand that salt brings out flavor. In fact, salt has this amazing ability to bring out the good flavors and kind of hide and mask the flavors that aren't so good. That's one of the great things about salt. Now, I love chocolate chip cookies. Let's just be real this morning. I'm a big fan. I think it's my favorite dessert. I really do. Like a really good chocolate chip cookie, I'm telling you. And so I've had the privilege in my life of being able to travel a lot, go to a lot of different cities. And when I go to cities, we look up desserts. Sarah and I like to eat, okay? So we'll look up different places. And if they've got a place that has good chocolate chip cookies, I'm going to go check it out. And I've had a lot of really good chocolate chip cookies. But I'm telling you, the best chocolate chip cookies I've ever had, and this is, this is just God loving me, the best chocolate chip, I've ever had, chocolate chip cookies I've ever had come from this lovely lady on the front row down here, Kristen Romano. 
Girl, have any of you guys had a Kristen Romano chocolate chip cookie? It's a game changer. It's a game changer. I'm telling you. She brought me some today. This is how anointed this woman is. I didn't even tell her I was doing this. She brought me cookies. They're so good. They're so good. And there's a lot she does to make these cookies really good. Like she, she, she doesn't skip on the ingredients. She's not just, you know, taking a, you know, one of those tubes of Pillsbury and lopping it off and throwing it in there like some people do. Not pointing any fingers. Sarah. I'll eat those too, though. Those are good too. But she, she gets really good ingredients. She takes her time. She's got it down to a science. Like she, she cooks them for the right amount of time. You know, you don't want an overly crispy cookie. And you don't want it too soft. And, and it's like there's a pocket. There's a cookie pocket, people. And she gets right in that pocket. And she cooks good. She gets really good chocolate chips, like expensive chocolate chips, expensive butter, like good ingredients. And, and, and if you know anything about making chocolate chip cookies, there's salt in the cookie mix. But here's where it goes next level. When she pulls them out of the oven while they're still hot, while they're still kind of, they're, they're glistening. Like, you know that chocolate, like glisten. The glisten? You guys know the glisten? Everybody say, I know the glisten. <laughs> while that's happening, she gets out this big salt shaker and she cracks fresh salt over the cookies. And I'm telling you people, it makes the flavor just bounce, okay? There's a tang, there's a pop, it's good, it's awesome. You get that little side of vanilla ice cream, you know, none of this crazy ice cream, vanilla. Like keep it, let's let the star be the star. Chocolate chip cookie is the star, vanilla on the side. There we go. It's pretty good, good stuff. But here's the point. What makes those cookies so good? One of the things that makes them so amazing is that salt. And what does the salt do? Here's how salt works. Salt brings out the good flavor that's already there. It intensifies the flavor that already exists. Listen, this is a picture of who God has called you to be, a person who brings out the God flavors, who helps people taste and see. Like Psalms 34 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Are you being salty? Are you bringing out the flavors? Can people through your life taste and see the goodness of God? We got to do this. So how do we do it? Well, there's two ideas I want to lay before you this morning. One is you got to stay connected. You got to stay connected. If you want to be salty and bring out the, the God flavors, you got to stay connected. Stay connected to God's word and stay connected to the person in a personal relationship with God. You know something interesting about salt? One of the purest forms of salt is rock salt. Salt, salt that's formed on rocks and the purest salt that's rock salt is the salt that's the closest to the rock. So the closer the salt is forming on the rock, the more pure it is, the more powerful it is in flavor. Now this is a picture of our life in Christ Jesus because God over and over again in the Bible is referred to as the rock. And his word is referred to as a rock that we can build our life on. Psalms 18 verse 2, Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge. 1 Samuel 2, 2, there is no rock like our God. Jesus talking about what we build our life on. He's talking about how we build our life on his word, the word of God, the Bible. Everyone who hears Hears these words of mine, the word of God, the Bible, and does them is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So get this new song, church. 
the purest, most flavorful, salty version of you in this world is the version of you that is connected to God on a daily basis, connected to His Word, connected to the person of the Holy Spirit, connected to God, connecting with Him, allowing the saltiness of God to rise up in you so that it is flavorful to the world around you. Can I get an amen? Amen. Okay, so number one, we got to stay connected. Number two, you got to get to work. You got to get to work. You know, something happens when you are working hard. What happens? Guys, some of you guys know this. Some of you ladies know this. You get outside, you do some yard work, do some mowing, and you start to sweat. And sweat is salty, isn't it? Sweat's salty. So listen, the flavor of work is salt. So listen, God's called us to be people who labor and work to help build His kingdom. There's a physical aspect of us just getting our hands dirty and putting our, our hand to the plow and, and doing some work sometimes to build the kingdom of God. You know, it takes a lot of work to get people saved. A lot of work to see people reached. It takes a lot of work to pull this off every week at church. And so for some of you, this is God inviting you to the work. For some of you, it's time to get plugged in. Like really plugged in. I'm, I'm glad you're here. Glad that you've been coming. But it's time for you to just quit just coming and start plugging in. We need people in the parking lot, waving people in. As they come in, they're new. They've never been here before. There's someone going, hey, come on in. We need some of you to do that. We need greeters that, that, that stand at the door and, 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 and smile. That's important. That's an important part of the greeter process. Listen, if you're a person that's like you hear a lot of people tell you, you know, you need to smile more. We don't want you as a greeter. We don't need people coming in the door and you're like, come on in. Get in the church. I wouldn't be a good greeter. I know it. I got this Frankenbrow thing. It's scary, isn't it? My Frankenbrow. But we need greeters. We need people in our kids' classrooms. You know, the church is growing. And we're actually meeting this week. We're going to be adding some more services on a different day. Yeah, but in order to do that, we need people to help. We need people in our kids' classrooms to play with kids and love on these kids. It's time to get to work. Sometimes your labor, it's a, it's a picture of, of the, the saltiness of God because people come and they get waved in by you and they feel welcome. They feel like somebody thought of them today and they get greeted by you and they drop their kid off in that kid's classroom and that mom feels secure that her kid's going to be okay, that that kid's not going to die in the next 45 minutes or so. <laughs> And they can come in here and they can hear from the Lord and they can taste and see that the Lord is good. You guys getting it? So take some work. Some of you need to get plugged in that way. Some of you, listen, some of you, this is a call for you to reflect the labor of your life in your giving. To be a tither. To be a giver. Listen, is the income of your life, the income of the labor of your hands, is it helping anyone to taste and see that the Lord is good besides you? I, and I'm not, I'm not going to harp on this very much, but I, I know there's people, I talk to them that they don't, <laughs> they don't, they don't want to tie. They say, I want to give. I'll just, be, I'll just give. I, I don't want to feel the, the, you know, that, that thing of tithing. That, that's, that's old, I don't, which I can punch a bunch of holes in that for you if you need me to later. But the problem is a lot of these people that just say, well, I'll just choose to give from my heart. They don't give. Like their heart ain't given. 
But I want you to know, like, in order for us to do all this, like, this, this takes money. In order for us to reach this city, in order for us to help people pull people out of drug addiction, and to help young ladies that are trying to help them to not have an abortion, and to reach people in Israel with the message of Jesus Christ and to reach other countries and put clothes on kids and do some a lot of the projects that our church is doing and, and make an impact in our community, we, we, we got to be funded. And, and you're doing a great job. I want you to know. That's why it's so excellent here. You notice that? Our kids' classrooms are amazing because we put money into that. We, we put $200,000 into that wing down there for those kids. Why? Because we love them and we're investing in them because they're valuable to the kingdom of God and we want them to know that they're valuable to the kingdom of God and they're not just valuable someday when they get in here. They're valuable in there. Okay, I'm going to get off of that high horse now. But I want you to see it's important. This is a big deal. We're called to be salt. Salt adds flavor. Are, is that, are, are you in alignment with that today? Is there a misalignment in your life related to the saltiness of your life? Here's the second thing. Jesus says, you're here to be light, bring out the God colors in this world. We're the light of the world. Here's the thing about light. Light brings illumination. Yeah. Light brings illumination. When it's, when it's dark, you can't see. And when you can't see, there's a timidness to how you have to live your life. I experienced this in the night because I have to get up and go to the bathroom now because I'm that age where I have to at least once a night get up and go to the bathroom. And when I get up to go to the bathroom at night, I'm always afraid. There's a fear, a healthy fear. Because Sarah has a space heater. And she likes to, I, I don't think it's intentional, but she, all the time, listen, summertime, she's got the space heater going, people. Space heater, summer. But here's what she does. She's done for the night. And she knows, like, you can't just leave the space heater plugged in. You've got to turn it off. So she unplugs it. And she lays the, the, the plug in the middle of the bathroom. And so on more than one occasion, I'm walking through that tile bathroom. There's not a lot of give in tile. You notice that? And there's not a lot of give in the human foot. And I walk through that bathroom in the night, and I'm, sca I'm scared now. And I was, but, I, but I wasn't at some point. Sometimes I was walking in freedom in the dark. It was bad. And I... And I stepped on that, and man, it'll shut you down. And you're in the bathrooms. There's nowhere to go. Like anything you land on is hard. So I've learned to be timid and be careful walking through the bathroom. Sarah's trying to booby trap me. This is like Goonies. I'm walking through. I'm trying to figure it out. Anyway, when you're in the dark, it can be a little scary. It can be a little intimidating because you don't know what's there. This is why they have haunted houses in dark haunted houses. This is why when you go on a haunted trail ride, you know, the trail is, it's at night. They do it at night because you're more prone to be afraid of what you can't see. Listen, sometimes we look at the world and we look around and we're going, man, what is wrong with people? You know what's wrong with people? They can't see. They're in the dark. And so guess what? We're called to bring illumination. We're called to be light. That the light of Jesus in us would go to those dark places and bring light and bring illumination to those situations so that people can be transformed, that they can see God the right way, understand what He's all about. Look at what it says in Matthew 5. After it talks about the light, it says, God is not a secret to be kept. Notice these, these words here by Jesus. We're going public with this. As public 
as a city on the hill. Notice how, like, when it talks about this light, it's, it's to be seen, it's to be shown, it's, it's placed on a platform, it's, it's up on a hill. It says, if I make you light bearers, and that's what God did through Jesus Christ for you, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? Some of you remember Children's Church? Hide it under a bushel. I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. I'm going to let it shine. I'll be hiding it under the bushel. The bucket. I love the bucket. I love that there. It says, I'm putting you on a light stand. Again, notice. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Somebody say shine. shine. Keep open house. So here's the practical part. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. Are you in alignment with that? By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, the generous Father in heaven. God wants us to shine. He wants us to be generous with our lives. Now, two, two thoughts on this. I'm closing with this. We can't be light if we're imitating darkness. You're going to have a hard time being the light of the world if you look like the world. If your life is, is not looking like Jesus, if it just looks like the world, that's not, that's not light, that's darkness. And that doesn't, that doesn't help anybody. You say, well, Pastor Josh, you know, I don't want to ruffle any feathers. I don't want to stir up a stink. And I don't want to cause problems. So what we do is we, we, we take the bucket and we say, I'll just, I'll just kind of cover up my light under this bucket of acceptance. Because, I, you know, light is, can be harsh and, and I, don't, I don't want that. I, I don't want to make people uncomfortable. Just understand this. Get this into your head this morning. We're called to be light and sometimes light makes things uncomfortable. I remember when I was a kid, my mom would come in to wake me up in the morning and it would always start real sweet. You know, she'd come in, Josh, hey, it's time to get up. It's time for school. Go ahead and get dressed. Breakfast will be ready in just a minute. Then she'd leave, and I wouldn't get up. And so she'd come back in. And the second time she came in, it was a little bit more aggressive. Hey, you need to get up. You're going to be late. Your breakfast is going to get cold. You need to get down there now. Come on, get up, get up. And she'd leave. And I didn't get up. And now the third time. And this is where it gets uncomfortable. This is when she would come in and she would yank my blankets off of me and she would flip on the light. And in that moment, you're like a vampire. Arrgh! It's like horrible. <laughs> but what happens is, is I'm, being, I'm, I'm, I'm awakening to the light. And the light, listen, it's, it's a little harsh right there because my eyes have adjusted to darkness. But as my eyes adjust to the light, what happens is now I can see. And there's a freedom that I can operate in. Listen, we're called to be light. And sometimes when we illuminate the situation, it's going to feel like the blanket's being ripped off of people. Because they've been in the darkness, it may feel a little bit harsh. But as they adjust to the light of God through your life, all of a sudden they start to see things the right way. They start to see God the right way. They start to see the love of Jesus the right way. It brings illumination. It brings freedom. I'm preaching good this morning, New Song Church. We're called to be light, but we can't be that light if we look like darkness. And then here's the last thing. We can't be that light if we're afraid of the darkness. We can't be that light if we're afraid of the darkness. Listen, Jesus didn't model a life that was afraid of the darkness of the world getting on him. Now, if anybody had an excuse to do this, it was Jesus. Think about the purpose of Jesus' life. His purpose was to save the world. 
That's a big purpose, right? And in order to do it, he had to be perfect. <laughs> so if anyone had an excuse to say, you know what, I'm just going to go live up on the hills like, a, like the Unabomber and just kind of wait until that moment because I don't want to mess this up. I don't want any of this darkness to get, to get all over me. I'm called to be the light of the world, so I got I to gotta hide out until that time comes. No, no, no. See, Jesus understood he was called to be the light of the world. So what was he? He was in the world. He wasn't hiding from the darkness. We can't hide from the darkness and be the light that God's called us to be. Are you in alignment with that? Is your life in alignment with that? God's called us to illuminate, to bring transformation power through the light of Jesus Christ in us. So Jesus lived among people and was even called a friend of sinners and he didn't compromise. Not one time. And that's got to be our goal. we got to pursue God in that way. Yeah. Pursue people in that way. That we're here to be light. And so we're going to step into the darkness. And we're going to illuminate the darkness. And we're going to not be compromised by the darkness. Yeah. Amen? Amen. Look, at the, look at the verse again. Shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. This yeah. generous, generous Father in heaven. How you doing with that? Amen. It's time to come into alignment. God's got a great assignment for you. And I, I, there's this parable. I'll close with this. Luke 15. Jesus tells this parable about this woman who lost a coin. And the woman in this, in this verse is a picture of God. And the coin is a picture of one of those who was away from him. And he says this, Luke 15, 8. Or suppose a woman has... 10 silver coins and loses one. Won't she shine, uh, won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is, there's joy in the presence of God and angels when even one sinner repents. Notice that little detail. I love that little detail that she shines this lamp. She turns on the lamp. The first thing she does when something is missing is she turns on a light. And, and 2,000 plus years ago, in a dark, dark world, God flipped on a light switch. And he sent his son, Jesus, into this world to be the light of this world. And Jesus came, and he allowed the darkness to get all over him. And then he was resurrected to new life. And now, because of what he's done, his light can be transferred into your life. And now, through him, we can be a bunch of little lights reflecting the image of God in this world, shining a light, helping people who are in the darkness to find freedom. That's our call. Listen, this is a call to arms today. It's time to step up. God's called us to bring glory to Him. We do this by being salt and light. And maybe your life feels a little off right now. Maybe things feel off. Maybe there's a pull in the wrong direction. Maybe there's, there's a shaking in your life. There's pain and discomfort in areas of your life. And maybe it's because you're not walking in alignment with the purpose of God to glorify Him and be salt and light in this world. If you will align yourself with that purpose, there will become an alignment to your purpose and your assignment will be fulfilled and people will taste and see that the Lord is good. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.